The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Today we go for a hike in the Oregonian woods and watch our back for the sound of a noisy ghost. Was he there? Was he there? And then we travel to Brazil to look at the story of a group of warriors who went toe-to-toe with a one-eyed alien. And then that alien started sleeping with their women. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. We got we got a problem. We got a problem. It's a very interesting one. We'll talk about that in a second. A little teaser for you. First off, I want to give a shout out to our newest Patreon supporter, Jimmy Moore. Jimmy Moore, named after that hit Britney Spears song, Gimme Moore. I bet you didn't know that, Jimmy. That's how you got that name. Jimmy, Jimmy Moore, Jimmy, Jimmy Moore. I love that song. Anyways, thank you, Jimmy. You are another enduring part of Britney Spears' legacy. You are going to be our pilot, our guide for this episode. If you can't support the Patreon, that's fine, too. Just help get the word out about the show. That really, really helps out a lot. We also have a merch store. It's in the show notes. And if you're supporting the Patreon and I haven't gotten your address yet for the stickers, send me your address over. Because we're starting to mail those stickers out, and they're really, really cool. Now, Jimmy, I'm going to toss you the keys to the Jason Jalopy, but just keep it idling right now. Outdoors, not <laughs> we're not in the garage. Something weird is going on. Something weird is going on. This is what I meant by saying we have a problem, guys. So every day I wake up and I go to about five different news websites. I go, well, quote-unquote news websites. I go to Fox News, CNN, Drudge Report. That's where I get my mainstream news at. And uh, Drudge Report always has some weird tabloid headlines and stuff like that. So I got that. And then I'll go to the export and I'll go to Reddit. Between all of those combined, I usually get about four to eight leads. I may not fully investigate any of those stories. There may be a story that's so intriguing I'm recording that day. It can go either way. What's super weird is in the past five or six days, I have gotten almost no news stories at all across all those formats at all. The last story I got actually was from Reddit. We're going to cover it Friday. It's a mind blower. I never, ever, ever heard of this story before. It's absolutely jaw-droppingly nuts. Almost got no engagement on Reddit. Vito, Vito Scaletta sent me a story last night. I don't think I'm going to do a full story on it, but I wanted to give him a mention because it's fairly intriguing. I guess the video, this was on the export, the video game Carnival. It was created by... It was interesting because it started off really interesting, and then, like a lot of this stuff does, uh, the the mythology starts tripping up the myth. Originally, the video game was supposed to have this deleted level that was considered too obscene. When Midway was looking at it, it was a tunnel of love theme. Carnival is a light shooter video game where you're like, it's pretty gross, especially for its time. It came out in the 90s. And apparently they had a tunnel of love level that people thought probably had like S&M stuff in it, and Midway goes, gross, you can't do that. That's possible, right? There's possible some programmers are joking around. But then it gets into this thing that it's really this cult, this ancient cult was building the video game and some of the programmers 
were like working for the cult and one of them was trying to meet one of the Sailor Moon characters and I checked I checked out at that point. So thanks for the recommendation. But other than the story we're gonna talk about Friday, which I'm not gonna give away, and the Carnival story Oh, oh, and some guy is also saying he's made telepathic communication with a cute alien. I mean, that that's all I've gotten in the past four or five days. I'm not covering that story, right? It's almost seen, and you could say it's the news cycle. You go, Jason, things are really turbulent right now. No, that's not it. I've been doing research like this for years and years and years, and I've never run into a drought like this. I mean, obviously, it could be that I'm getting more picky, but I'm not even getting stuff to be picky about. Carnival, cute alien, telepathic girl, and the Friday story, which I'm probably hyping up at this point, but I mean, it's super bizarre. And it's real. It's one of those stories that worked its way through the legal system and the court system and stuff like that. It involves all sorts of stuff. Space and conspiracy and true crime. It almost... I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm not not a conspiracy theorist. It almost... I don't know, man. It feels like maybe the veil's tightening. Maybe thing... And hopefully I'm wrong. Hopefully we just are in some weird dry spell. But what if the world is getting less weird? It'd be a very dull place if across five websites that I normally get four to eight... Weird stories, I'm finding nothing, except two people LARPing on the X-Board, and then this uh, story that happened uh, back in the 80s. The weird story, again, happened in the in the past, back in the 80s, so who knows? But it is something we're going to keep an eye on. Okay, so you got that car warmed up, Jimmy. We are driving out from Hood River, Oregon. Burp, burp. We are headed to... Oh, Oregon. I forgot. We're going to Oregon. We're leaving Hood River, Oregon. We are headed to Forest Grove. Oregon. So it's the early 1900s, Forest Grove, Oregon. And there we're going to meet an unnamed dude. I know, I just heard your eyes. I just heard your eyes roll. My eyes rolled as well. We just heard, we are going to meet this big, giant, uh, unnamed dude. We're going to name him Barry. He's this big, strapping man. He's an outdoorsman, so of course you're going to be strapping. And he, like, does, like, chops down trees and stuff like that. (laughs) That's not his job. He's actually an accountant. That's what he does on the weekend. He chops down trees. But he's most known, not for being a big burly guy, because that's pretty much a lot of woodsmen. It is, he's known for having a big brass bugle he always carried around with him in the middle of the woods. Which, you know, could be like a romantic thing, you know, like a guy up alone in the woods, his dog sitting next to him. You're like out and you see like a little silhouette on the mountainside. You see a little dog and you see a guy, a mournful soul with his bugle. And you're like stoking the campfire and stuff like that. That's not what he did. That's not what this guy did. That 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 would be fine, right? That would be slightly romantic. But he wouldn't do that. He, okay, he may have done that after work as the accountant. What he was known for, what this guy was known for, is you would be in the woods, okay? You would be in the woods. You're hunting. You're fishing. You're enjoying the solitude of... <laughs> this is so funny. I love this guy. Except for what he does later. He would enjoy the solitude of nature. You go out to woods to find some peace. This dude would creep up behind... This guy would creep up behind you with his big bugle, get as close as he could, and go... And totally freak you out, right? You've been in the woods. You've been alone for like two hours at this point. Just a little fishing rod. And then... 
I'm moving away from the mic to do that sound effect. He wasn't. He was getting as close as possible to blow a giant bugle right in your ear. So people in town hated his guts. They absolutely hated him. So when he was found murdered, or more specifically, when he was found killed later on, I don't think there was a really big obituary written for this guy. Assuming he's real. Now, again, before I finish the story, we're going to put our skeptic hats on because we're going to take it off in a second. This story, this is the local legend. The fact that we don't have an exact time period or the name of the guy makes it very suspicious this guy may have never existed. But in Forest Grove, this is a local legend. People do believe this is real, while others may just poo-poo the whole thing. Burn that skeptic hat, because now we're going to get into the fun stuff. So anyways, this dude's body is found dead. Now, the story is that they find him, and next to him, they find a mount- a dead mountain lion. And this dude was totally, like, all gashed up and stuff. Oh, no! The dramatic reenactment. No, my face! Oh, no, not my arm! Oh, no, my other arm! And he's getting eaten up by this dude, this mountain lion. But at the same time, he's using this brass bugle. It's so heavy, he's just bashing in this mountain lion's skull so they basically both kill each other and their blood pools together into one big puddle and that's the end i mean that's that's interesting right a practical joker getting killed by a mountain lion maybe he tried surprising him maybe the hunter became the hunted but what makes this story unique is that it is one of the very few times that a ghost kills a person What? You haven't even gotten to the ghost part yet. So, what happens is, they start finding people in the woods with their heads bashed in. What? What's going on? The detective comes out there, he's shining the flight. They don't have flashlights. The detective comes out there, he's holding a candle. (laughs) He's dropping wax all over the crime scene. He's covering up all the fingerprints. It appears that this man has had his face caved in. And and according to all my experience being a forensic scientist and a band leader, I can tell that this (laughs) this injury is caused by a large brass bugle. Does anyone in town know anyone who has a large brass bugle? What? Well, Barry used to. Well, let's get him. Uh, Barry's been dead for two years, detective. Huh? You you like that? Theater of the mind, folks. Bet you pictured that perfectly. People are starting to get found in the woods with their heads bashed in with the bugle. Now, it's funny. I was telling Sabine this story, and I was like, yeah, and this ghost killed a bunch of people. And she's like, oh, okay. (laughs) I was like... That's super rare. It's it's incredibly rare to come across a story where a ghost is killing people. In my experience, like off the top of my head, I know of two. And I've been researching this stuff for decades. Two actual a ghost killing people. We've had stories of like Freddy Krueger is based on a demon in Hmong culture. That's a demon. We've had stories about... um I actually have an upcoming story about a village that was getting killed by a spirit, but that was like a haunting curse. As far as a human dying and the ghost coming back and killing people, extremely rare. I, off the top of my head, I can think of two. Lucky Boy Mine, which we covered that a long time ago. That We just did a repeat of that. And this story is very, very rare. And it's funny because Sabine was surprised because in the movies, it's super common. A ghost is killing people. In, that's the movies, guys. That's fa- In real life, in real ghost life, it's extremely rare. Extremely rare. So, one, that makes me think that this guy was not killed by a mountain lion. If he existed, let's again assume he just existed. Somebody got bugled by this dude, right? Just burnt right in his ear and then killed him. And then maybe he, maybe he already had a dead mountain lion in the backseat of his car. And he's like, Ugh, they didn't have cars. Maybe he had a back in the backseat of his horse. Ugh, throws a dead mountain lion on top of Barry, our bugler. 
Who knows? I mean, okay, that's a little that's a little harder to pull off. He kills a man, he's like, and now I must hunt a mountain lion. To have the perfect crime, he spends the next four days in there trying to track down a mountain lion. But it doesn't make sense why a man would get killed by a mountain lion. A man who wasn't murdering people in the first place, okay? He was a normal jerk. He basically would have a YouTube channel with 2 million subscribers if he did this today. And he was a normal guy, and then he gets killed by a mountain lion, and then he begins murdering people... Like, that's, first off, ghost murdering people is, is, is extremely rare. But then, to have, just, I just think it's, that's weird enough. But then, to not be a revenge-seeking ghost. The lucky boy mine was a revenge-seeking ghost. Very, very odd story. The reason why people think that the bugler was doing this was that some guy almost got his head caved in. And he turns around, and as he sees the bugle coming towards his head, he turns around and he sees a ghastly glowing outline of a man whose face was all gashed up. Oh! And he's swinging the bugle, and the guy jumped out of the way. And then he went to town and said, this dude, who who may or may not be fictional, honestly, but this dude tried killing me with a bugle, and his face was all gross. And people go, oh, we know who that is. There's only one gross guy who ever played with a bugle, and that was Barry. So, an exceptional story because we have a ghost murdering people. It's super, super, super. And you could go, Jason, well, you're cherry picking. Maybe the ghost demon, even the, even if we included demons killing people, we're still looking at maybe a dozen of like a go of a non-corporeal ghost, not a possessed person, but a non-corporeal ghost or a demon killing someone, not making them kill themselves, actually killing them. We're looking at maybe a dozen stories. It's incredibly, incredibly rare. So basically, moral of the story is, don't go to Forest Grove, Oregon. Apparently, their sky is making weird sounds. Their ghosts can do the impossible. People still think this guy's out there. This guy's still out there, playing that lonely bugle. I'm actually thinking about visiting some of these haunted places in Oregon. If you guys know how much I despise traveling, you guys you guys would be like, oh, I'd go there all the time. I don't like, I don't like going any place I can't walk back home from. So anyways, I may go to Forest Grove, or I may just send a camera crew down there, and I'll watch them. I'll watch them like Obama was watching Osama Bin Laden being killed. I'm just watching on the cam. I'm like, good job, guys. Good. They're just like walking through a spooky forest, and I'm eating popcorn. I'm watching them just getting killed with bugles, and I'm like, too spooky. I'm so glad I'm not there. I'm so glad I sent out my B team, not the fans that I really love. Jimmy Moore, light up that carbon copter. We're leaving behind Forest Grove, Oregon. I want you to fly us all the way out to Brazil flying over the pacific ocean we're headed out to that emerald country i don't know the country with a bunch of trees that's the it's the only country with a bunch of trees we're flying out there now most of this information really all of it i got from a very well-written post on um above top secret is a website it was written by someone named fro charoka fo charoka so I want to give a tip of the hat to that, a tip of the space helmet to you. Thank you so much for doing all this research. Now, I did find a couple other mentions of this. It wasn't a fictional story. But for the most part, because of the age of the story and because of the language barrier, you don't find a lot of stuff. Like when people send me stuff from Mexico and Brazil, I really love to read it. Or really any country, I get stuff. But I was getting a lot of stuff from Fabio from Italy. There is that language barrier. It makes it a little bit harder. And actually, I can run a translate on it. Just there's not a lot of resources on it to begin with. It hasn't really got into the paranormal world. 
We're going to go out to the Sarah Pukatoti Mountain. Now, everything used to be sepia tone, and now it's all lush green jungles and stuff like that. But this story still takes place fairly recently. In the past 100, 150 years. So this story takes place in old time in Brazil. There's a tribe known as the Bengokri tribe. So they're walking around and stuff. They, 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 that's, they can do other stuff. They can also sit and sleep, but they're a nomadic tribe. So they go where the food goes. So they got their arrows, and they're looking, and they see like this gazelle standing there, and they go to shoot it, and it moves. And then they go to shoot it, and it moves again. They go to shoot it, and it moves again. And the next thing they know, they're 400 miles away, and they finally kill it. And they're like, all right, where do we cook it at? And they're like, oh, man, we left the fire. We left the fire all the way back there. So they got to set up a new fire, and then the next day they see Grizel walking, they're like, this time, we're going to kill it right here, and then they end up in another country. They end up camping near this Sarah Pukatoti mountain in Brazil. So they're sitting there, they're eating their gazelle, which I don't actually even think exists in Brazil, right? They're eating a taper or something, right? Originally, they were hunting a, a gazelle in Africa, and then they chased it across the ocean. It's all swimming, they're swimming after it. They end up in Brazil. So... They're eating a taper, they're eating a big old bow constrictor, whatever's down there, and they see mist all around the mountain. And you're like, Jason, that's pretty normal. But this was cursed mist. See, at this mountain, they would often see like weird lights and like the mist seem especially cursed. <laughs> they're like, don't go to the mountain. That mountain's spooky. Like we can hang out down here. We can eat all the animals we want. But don't go to the mountain. But they are camping near the mountain. They see the mist. And then one time they see a light fly out of the dark night sky through the mist and then crash somewhere near the foot of the mountain. So they go, we better go investigate that tomorrow morning, right? Like, let's not go, let's not rush to go out there right now. What they used to describe it as was a flying canoe. So the next morning... They get the Warriors, and they wake up. They get the actual street gang, the Warriors. They fly them out from New York City. They get the Warriors of the tribe, and they're like, wake up, wake up. We, you got to go check out that big old flying canoe. And they're like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. They, the Warrior was hoping everyone else forgot about it because he's super scared. He's like, oh, yeah, no, nah, I'm pretty sure it's nothing. I think I saw that last week. It's no big deal. It happens all the time. Anyways, the Warriors, the super scared Warriors, go out to where it's at, and they see a man. Not a man, a humanoid thing kind of walking around where the canoe had crashed. And they're like, oh, that's weird. They see this guy walking around, right? Nan, he's he's like big and puffy. He's like a big puffy dude walking around. And he turns and he looks at the warriors. And he has just one giant eyeball on his face. And the warriors kind of, ah. First they just thought he was like a puffy albino dude. But now, now they realize he's an alien. So they start shooting arrows at him. That's their first instinct because this is an outsider. This is an invader. And the guy doesn't even flinch. Arrows are just going point, 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 bouncing off of him. One eye just staring at him. And then the dude, this alien guy, has this big old stick and he points it at a rock and the rock disappears. So the, the warriors can look at each other at this point. Now they can't run away. This is the reason they exist. They have to protect their tribe. They've been trained their entire life for combat. They get another volley of arrows. They're shooting arrows. Plink, 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 plink. Shoot him in the eye. Shoot him in the eye, someone says. Plink, plink. Doesn't matter. He points the staff at a tree. Poof. Tree disintegrates. 
one of the warrior pulls out his club, runs up, starts beating the guy, beating the alien up. Alien just shrugs the dude off. He points his wand at one of the tribe members. He passes out, just falls to the ground. He points at another one. Arrows are still bouncing off this dude. Bing, 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 bing. He points at another one. That guy passes out too. At this point, the warriors are like, okay, I need to get a new profession. I wonder if I can still get into that hunter-gatherer thing I've been hearing about. They grab their fallen comrades. They take off into the jungle, and they look behind, and they see this one-eyed monster just kind of standing there. Not that one-eyed monster. (laughs) Don't be perverted. They see it standing there. And from that time on, people are like, okay, remember how we said, like, the mountain was cursed and all that, like, mist and stuff? It's 100% cursed now. There's a one-eyed monster there that he's shooting you with stuff. Again, don't be dirty. He's shooting you with stuff, and he's making you fall asleep, and just stay away from that mountain. Everyone's like, what? So, people just kind of avoided that area. And since it's a nomadic tribe, it wasn't a huge issue. They're still kind of moving around the area. A couple years later, some people are hanging out. They go to the, like laundromat aka the lake to to do their to do their laundry and someone sees this giant dude just skinny dipping and they're like what and then they stood there and they watched for a while and then like 20 minutes later they're still watching someone's like hey anako are you done doing the laundry yet and she's like yeah 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 almost i'm almost there she's still watching this guy just swim around naked and then after she's gotten a good eyeful or two she goes back to village she's smoking a cigarette she goes you guys won't believe what i saw there's this giant naked dude, skinny dipping, and all the girls are like, ah, and the shaman's like, no, 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 you crazy girls. Let's send the warriors out. And the warriors are like, mm-hmm, yeah, we want to see it too. So anyways, the warriors go out, and there's this giant naked guy swimming in this lake. And he turns around, and he goes, hey, hey, guys, how you doing? And he's speaking their language. And they're like, what? How'd you know that? how do you know speak the language? And he goes, I know a lot about you guys. You guys might not recognize me, because I'm this giant, tall, albino-looking dude, but... You guys shot a bunch of arrows at me a couple of years ago. And they're like, what? No, that was a one-eyed monster that we were shooting stuff at. And he's like, you mean that? And he points over. You guys might have picked up on this to begin with. His spacesuit. His astronaut spacesuit. He says his name is Bep Karoti. And in that language of that tribe, it means starborn or man of the stars. And he goes, listen... I know we got off to a bad start. I paralyzed a couple of you guys, and I destroyed that rock. And some guys like, that was my favorite rock. I'm sorry, man. I know it was your favorite rock, but I was trying to show you guys how powerful I was. We got off to a bad start, but I'm kind of bored and lonely. You see, I'm not going to be able to leave for a while. I'm stuck here on your planet. Can I hang out with you guys? So they invite him into the tribe. I mean, what do you... the The other option is they say no, and he's like, then I'll destroy you all. I mean, like... You're going to invite him into your tribe, right? He's he's a super powerful monster man who paralyzed your greatest warriors. You're really not going to tell him no. So he comes to the tribe. He starts hanging out. Now, we have this weird classic tale where he's hanging out of the tribe, and there's like a young maiden watching him. He has clothes on at this point, I'm assuming. I don't think he was naked the whole time. But there's this young maiden kind of checking him out, and he's sitting there, and he's eating dinner, and he's like, oh, this is really good. And she's like waiting him. She's like, giving him little, like, doe-eyed eye-look things and stuff like that. Uh, You can obviously tell I'm a romantic at heart. And then there's, like, a scene where there's, like, a full moon, and there's bugle music playing in the distance, and he's like, I've loved you ever since I came to your planet. And she's like, oh! And she's, like, starting to swoon. And then we cut to Take Your Breath Away, musical montage of them banging in a hut. And then 
they're married. He ends up, the long story short is, he ends up marrying this native girl, and she gives birth to two kids of his, a boy and a girl. And then he's there long enough to not only have made a peace treaty with the locals, but bang a woman, raise two kids, and become a grandpa. His daughter has a kid. So they've been chilling here for a while, and his daughter's name was Cobb. So, I mean, that's just a weird name. Maybe it's a normal name in that community, but I don't think so. I don't, it could be wrong. I could, that could be the most racist thing I've ever said on the show. They're like, what? President of Brazil, his name is Cobb, you racist? I'm pretty sure it's a space alien name. Again, could be wrong, but the fact that her dad was a space alien, I think I'm fine on saying that Cobb is a space alien name. Anyways, while he's raising this family, he also starts teaching them to not be nomads anymore. They're like, go to hunt the gazelle. And he's like, no, no, no. Not only is that animal not indigenous to this continent, but you don't have to do that anymore. I'm going to show you how you can build a civilization in one place. And I'm going to make your weapons better. I'm going to train your warriors to be better. And then there's a montage of him like training the warriors. They're like punching sides of gazelle flesh. They're run- they invent stairs and then they're running up them. And-, and Bep is sitting there with his little timer. Click. Yeah, good job, good job. It's a sundial. They have to run until it goes from 1 to 2 p.m. Everyone's training. He teaches them how to build a better society. And then, so everything's going great. He's met the love of his life. He's having kids. He's training these people to become much better fighters. He's training them to become a more cohesive civilization. So one day, everything's going great, right? He's building up their society. He has grandkids, for crying out loud. One day, he goes out on a hunt. He's showing the hunters how to do this stuff. He's like, this is how you do it. You don't have to track them across two continents. You can do this. (gasps) arrow goes right through the tapir's neck great job bep thanks for showing us that bep 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 is gone where did he go i don't know where'd he go the hunters get back to the village and everyone in the village is like uh dude dude get ready get ready we think something bad's gonna happen and what happened well bep came back here and he painted he's painted his family black so that's just weird. That's just weird, right? That's very, very uncommon that someone's going to come back, paint their family any color, really, and be having a good day. But he paints them black, and he locks them in the hut. And as they're telling the hunters this, they notice Bep, he's walking out from behind the hut, wearing his astronaut suit. Which everyone in town knows full well is arrow-proof, and spear-proof, and club-proof. And he walks into the center of the village and he starts going, okay, guys, who's going to fight me? I am taking control of this village unless one of you guys stops me. We're like, you're, you're, you're a space alien who's indestructible and you have magical powers. We're not going to fight. He then, because no one will fight him, he starts setting the forest on fire. He's like, who's, okay, who's going to fight me? Who's going to fight me? People are like, Bep, no one's going to fight you, right? <laughs> First off, there's a raging forest fire behind you, and I'm pretty sure your family's in a thatched hut, so not a great plan on that one. But secondly, bro, we're not going to fight you. What's going on? And Bep says, that's it. That's it. I'm out of here. And he walks out of the village, flaming forest fire, leaving his family painted black in the hut. He walks out of the village, and they watch him. I don't know how they saw this part. This is our part. I mean, unless Inspector Gadget has his telescopic eyes, they watch him walk all the way to the mountain. And at that point, a beam shines on the family's hut. People run into the hut. At this point, I'm assuming they've put out the fire. Otherwise, everyone's been burned to death, but 
They run to the hut, they open the door. His family's gone, and they see the flying canoe fly through space. But his family being gone isn't entirely accurate, because his daughter, his son-in-law, and his grandchild are still left there. So they automatically they're like ask the daughter they ask his daughter what what was that dude <laughs> like what just happened she's like I don't know why my dad did that but I do know this he'll always be in here she taps her head because I'm in contact I'm in telepathic contact with him and if we ever need our help again he'll come back fast forward years later crops aren't doing too well all of this structure that Bep had set up starts to fall apart crops aren't doing well. Famine hits, disease hits, the village is dying off. And one day, and the daughter's watching all this happen, and everyone's getting sick, and she goes, now's the time. In our darkest hour, she paints herself and her kid and her husband black. She prays to her father. The light canoe comes back. He comes back down, goes, what? What You guys have totally messed this stuff up. I told you to irrigate, irrigate, irrigate. What's this? He replants all their crops, gives them new crops, gives them crops that were not indigenous to the area at all. He shows them how to build stone houses, which technically you should have shown them how to do that the first time. He actually tells them to get closer to the mountain. This should be your home. Closer to the mountain. This mountain will help protect you. And they changed the name of the tribe at that point to the Kayapo. And to this day, they have celebrations where the people in the village have a bamboo suit that they wear and they dance around in as their celebration to Bep. Now, what's interesting, when you look at the photos of this guy, the first thing you think of, that looks like an astronaut suit. In the 1970s, you had some kids that had come from those tribes into other, like, big cities. This isn't one of those, this tribe still exists, it's not one of those completely isolated tribes. And this story I told you about, this is, when I said old-timey Brazil, we're not talking 1400s, 1200s, 600s Brazil. We're talking like 17, 1800s Brazil. There was a time period, fairly recent, that this story took place. This isn't a creation myth. The conquistadors had already been there. This tribe was already interacting with other nations. But they're just like, nope, we don't want any part of that. And they were moving around Brazil. This wasn't an ancient, ancient myth. So you have people still doing the ceremony at Bep, and when you have these kids do a cultural exchange, and they went to a big city, and they're seeing footage and seeing photos of U.S. astronauts landed on the moon, they go, that is what Bep Karate looked like. That is, he, that's exactly what he looked like. That was the description. That one eye is basically the giant glass visor. Which is how you, if you're calling stuff flying canoes, if you saw a astronaut turn around and look at you, it would look like a giant eyeball. So that's the story of Bep Karate. It definitely could be, uh, it, we gotta run through these always, it could be fiction, it could be 100% fiction made up that's leaked onto the internet and has become this story. It's definitely possible too. It could be... Made up at the time, it could be a legend that was made up by the tribe to explain certain things. Someone's like, where'd you get those beet seeds at? And he's like, uh, let me tell you a story. Let me tell you a really long, complicated story about an alien coming down and having kids and stuff like that. The person who originally made the story popular before it got to Above Top Secret was um, Hoawa Americo Aret. He was a researcher who worked with native tribes and 
And he was with the tribe like in the 70s. So even if it was 100 years from when he, even if their timeline was accurate, we're talking 1800s. I'm giving them a little bit of wiggle room, but that means that that genetic line, Bep's kid, if he had a daughter and the daughter had a son, and that was only 100 years ago, 150 years ago maybe, you know, give or take some years, and that was happening, that genetic line should still exist in that group of people. There should still be someone who we're now maybe five generations removed, six generations removed from this story. We should still be able to find a spark of genetic information of this star man. But the thing is, this story is so obscure, nobody really knows about it. If this story was more popular, you know that History Channel or uh, Gaia or whatever would send someone out there to start testing these people's DNA to see if they could find the star child. Nobody knows about this story. I think it'd be really interesting, and I think people in that community would want to know, because it would prove their story that their culture is based around. So yeah, if you work for one of those companies, why not? If you work if you work for one of those companies and you're listening to my podcast... Let's do this. We can actually, again, with their permission, I'm not saying that we need to take their blood against their permission, but with their permission, let's find, we can prove if this is real, if this is real, if there really was a man from the stars who slept with a woman and had kids and grandkids, and most likely it went on from there, and then came back again to give him more fruits and vegetables and stuff like that, and maybe, you know, dropped off a couple of gazelle, those gazelle they'd been hunting all along, Bep drops them off from their ship. So if you're ever driving through the middle of nowhere and you happen to see a spaceship crash in the distance, you will want to check it out. I think we all would want to check it out. I would check it out via webcam. But if you drive off towards the crash site to see if there really is a crash ship there, just make sure that you're not traveling with any attractive women. Or if you're an attractive woman yourself, just be prepared. Because the alien that crashed in the ship may not just be an indestructible warrior. He may also be a man looking for the love of his life. I mean, ladies, could you could you do worse than an, an alien who can make stuff disappear? But guys, be careful because you're hunting with your girl and she sees this giant naked dude walking around. No matter how much you swing your club, it doesn't work. This other guy just get bounces off this other dude. Don't blame me when she leaves you. I'm telling you right now, if you, if, if you want to keep your girlfriend, don't go towards the crash UFO. But if you're a girl and you're looking for love, you should just keep heading out to that crash site until you approach the radioactive debris. Nah, that's not dangerous. That's just the glow of romance. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. Twitter is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. 